0: Today on the show, while everybody else is getting ready for a rebellion, we take a little trip to Space Cali, Florida and play some Space GTA. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and themes behind some of our favorite universes. As always, I'm Jaden. And I'm Kevin. And we are dealing with the fallout from the epic episode six, robbery, heist, murder. Yeah,
1: this episode um, pretty much just deals with all of the aftermath of everything that happened.
0: Yep. Which there was a lot, and we're going to we're gonna get to all of it very soon but first we have to do a little housekeeping we love to hear from our listeners so please email us at podcast at with your thoughts and questions you might just see them in a future episode you can find kevin at in the loop on twitter and k loops on twitch and instagram and you can find Jaden at mr jad j on
1: instagram and twitter and of course you can connect with the lore party team on instagram twitter and twitch At lore underscore party. Now, before we get into everything, we're going to take a quick ad break, but we will be right back.
0: Okay, now that we've paid homage to the corporate overlords, it's time to (laughs) remind you all that if you have not seen this episode, please do not listen to this episode. Once you have, feel free. Yeah, once you
1: guys have watched all of Andor so far and listened to our episodes, come on down. Press play again. Uh, there's a lot that <laughs> happens leading up to this
0: episode. You will be lost if you do not know what is going on. Yeah, this, one, this one's this one got a lot of stuff that happened. This is a mid-season Game of Thrones type feel for this episode. Yeah,
1: it's, it's very similar to the last episode in terms of a lot of stuff happens, and it's very quick. However, kind of like last episode, our quote section is going to be a little bit bigger than the synopsis yep. section, just because... We're going to do this brief synopsis here, but it's pretty much a lot of walking around.
0: Like, everybody's just yeah, walking. Yeah, and so so if things get slammed into each other combined, uh, no, we're not idiots and forgot when things happened in the episode. I'm doing it on purpose because I don't want to go, and then, and then, and then, and then.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it, like I said, it's a lot of walking around. The majority of a whole scene is just somebody walking through Coruscant,
0: which is fine. But it, it's a great it, scene, yeah, but it's just, you know, yeah, it happens. All right. So without further ado, let's get into it. We begin our episode with Kevin's favorite character, Karn, (laughs) getting ready for his big boy job interview. His post, I ruined my career job interview. And his mother is just bullying the hell out of him. It's so funny because
1: his room has three clone trooper toys in it, and that's it. She pretty much obviously has like left his room the way it was, if that makes sense. Because yeah, but the she only toys... gave him three toys yeah, growing that, up. That's <laughs> the thing. Like The toys are still there and all that, but it's, it's a barren room with just three toys. It's very Oh, fun. You kind of feel bad for him when you forget that he's an idiot. Well, that's the thing. I do feel bad for him in this scene because his mom, like you said, she's bullying him. She's kind of treating him like shit, and she's like, you know your your uncle has uh, gotten this whole thing ready, and she's like, yeah, "Don't fuck this up." Yeah, and she's criticizing everything he wore uh, that he got ready to wear and all that. And it's just, it, I don't know. I
0: okay, she was reading into that collar too much. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I actually put
1: that in quotes. So she
0: that that collar was telling a whole story that that I do not believe was actually there. But we'll get into that later.
1: Basically, yeah, she's not nice. After we have this conversation where she shits on Karn. We cut to the ISB base. As one Yularen, many of you may recognize as the Admiral who served with Anakin in the Clone Wars. I'm so happy. Yeah. He's laying out the retaliatory measures that the Empire is going to take now after this robbery happened. And basically it's all heavy taxes... The abolishment of local customs if they are seen to show that they have anything to do with hiding any type of rebellion. As well as heavy prison sentences. And I mean heavy prison sentences. Heavy.
0: I think they said, like, it'll be a class one offense, which I don't know what that means, but I assume bad. Yeah, it seems really bad.
1: And, of course, the ISB will be taking the lead in anti-rebel activities. Now, I do have a
0: question for you real quick. Yeah. They are not part of the Navy, right? As far as I know, they are not. They are um, very similar to Oni in the Halo universe, where it's like they're the separate, they're the guys that will like make you disappear if you are a problem. Like They're the shadowy organization. They're the Gestapo of the Star Wars universe. So here's basically.
1: my follow-up question. Why are they all wearing ranks of naval officers?
0: That is interesting. I assume maybe they're just going with that's like standard Imperial rank. I just, if somebody could email us and tell us
1: why, because I can't for the life of me find out why I was like sitting on all the wikis and everything, trying to figure out why the engineer guy had orange. These guys have blue and red. Cause I remember in one of the earlier episodes, you said something about that. And I was just like, you know, maybe it's, you know, oh, they're Navy, but they're not. I, I'm. I, There's them? an
0: old legends chart that I can send you that, that talks about like ranking it's Kind of dumb, but I mean, eh, Imperial. Eh, it's, it's getting in the weeds a little bit. Speaking of Imperial officers, though, uh, Daedra believes that what they're doing is a total mistake. And her assistant's like, why? She says, the ISB is treating this like a robbery when they should be treating it as a rebellion. And I really like that idea. She's like the only person that sees... That this is not just some people getting rich quick. This is people who are going to use this money for problems. And you see that
1: theme of, uh, there are a couple themes in this episode, but you see that theme of it's just a robbery said a bunch here in this episode. For instance, Cassian views it as just a robbery. That's how he is viewing the situation. Whereas obviously it's not. We know it's not. But other people seem to just want to almost have it as just a robbery.
0: Yep. It's easier for them to dismiss it as a robbery than to face the fact that there might be an organized resistance to this world that they've built. Exactly. So
1: next we go to Luthan, and he's been listening to the rebel comms, and he's clearly giddy about it, when then he is informed that Mothma is showing up. So she arrives with her driver again and they start talking and she's like oh my husband didn't like it let's look at the other gift and she lets her driver stay outside this time and she is not happy uh we're gonna go through that whole conversation a little bit later she is pissed and he's very much like you know get over it like i told you what was gonna happen she's pretty furious with Luther and she believes that Luthen kind of jumped the gun on such an action of what, what we had happen in the last episode. She thinks it's kinda like, Hey, I'm supposed to meet with this guy to get all my
0: funds, you know, ready. Unlocked. Exa- like yeah. it, like it- his whole thing was like, like, you want, like, I needed money, so this is how I got the money. And she was like, Well, I was gonna get <laughs> my credit card is locked. I will get you. It's that uh that girl, like, I wired you the money. It's coming. There's a problem with the space bank. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too, is he says, Well, how did your
1: meeting go? And she's like, I'm having it tonight. And he like he kind of I don't want to say he seems for the most informed gentleman in this whole show as of late, he doesn't know that she didn't have her meeting yet which i thought was a little
0: odd well i I think the context that he was that that the reason he says that is because if you remember in a previous episode she was like i want to bring him in and he was like no we don't need any more people so i think when he was saying how did the meeting go it was more being like well i told you no and you went and did it like it was like a you you know because she's mad at him for doing something behind his back yeah and he's throwing back well you were going to meet with this person and get us all killed And she's like, well, I haven't done it yet, but now I'm gonna.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense.
0: We then cut to Karn, who's taking a tour of his great new job that Uncle Harlow got for him. It's the Bureau of Standards. And the first thing I thought of was the central bureaucracy from Futurama. (laughs) It is just a big fucking white room with people... Sitting in a chair doing the exact same task over and over again. And I was like, that is every corporate America job ever. Every person in there got PTSD. Yeah. From anybody much. watching it who works a corporate job. Oh yeah. Saw that Definitely. and went, oof, yeah, that's what I gotta do on Monday. <laughs> oh no, don't remind me. They ask him what happened on Merlana One, and he basically just makes up a bunch of excuses. And I think even he's blown away because he has like this big like speech prepared about what happened. And the dude's just like, oh, we can we can get rid of that. We can get you this new job. Your Uncle Harlow said it's cool. I think like Karn kind of got to see firsthand like the corruption that is within the imperial system because like he fucked up real bad and these people were like, yeah, but we know your uncle, so you get a job.
1: Yeah, I think also he's a little bit. He blurts out what happens and like you said, he tries to make excuses, but even the guy just kind of stares at him and is like, uh huh, uh huh, all right, weirdo, okay. um Yeah, right. Like he doesn't yeah. like,
0: I, I think it was more like this interview is a formality because we owe Uncle Harlow something. Yeah. Like you're getting this job.
1: So after this, Luthen's assistant is walking the streets of Coruscant. Now, I don't know if anybody here notices this, but if you remember when Star Wars was first being pitched, like the original Star Wars, right? We have all these art books now that show the art of the concepts, right? The concept art. If you look around Coruscant, a lot of it seems to be very reminiscent of those art pieces. I noticed it right away that it, it, the set pieces were very, very, um, really, really kind of retro feel. I, I, I liked it. It very, it felt very much like old school Star Wars.
0: I know, I loved it. We got to see a lot more of on in this sequence, and I, I love seeing like how clean it is, how pristine it is, how uh, I even, got, I even like seeing like the guards that were standing there. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, but they had yeah. the Alderinian guard on them. It was cool. Which I was like, I'm wondering if that's just maybe like a standard security person like helmet in this time period. Which, by the way, I want to put on record, that is my favorite helmet in all of Star Wars. And I will fight anyone who says it looks stupid because I think it looks hilariously awesome. Incoming
1: emails. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So not only do we see Luthan's assistant walking through Coruscant, we also see Vel walking through Coruscant. Vel is waiting for her, and they're talking back and forth. Now, Vel does not look anything like she did in the previous episodes. She took a shower. Yeah. Vel <laughs> is all glammed up, and it's kind of made me curious. I wonder who she is on Coruscant. I wonder what her role is, because
0: clearly something's there. There's theories running around that she's Luthan's daughter. Ooh, Okay. 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 Which would explain why he was like, "Be a leader."
1: That's actually pretty interesting. I actually like that i uh, that concept or idea theory. It's pretty cool. So anyway, they start talking. They're saying, "All right, we had doubts about skiing. It's sad about everybody else dying." And then she says, Clem, also known as Cassian Andor." That's who you know. She says his name right there. She's like, "You're gonna need to go find him. We can't have Luthen, you know, running around freely in his brain." Pretty much tells Vel, you're gonna have to find him, and you're gonna have to eliminate Cassie and Andor to ensure Rebel security.
0: And she she protests, and and the assistant's basically like, we don't we haven't seen the side of her before where she's just like, shut up and get it done. Like yeah yeah. Our friend Luthan is is at stake versus this guy. I'd rather keep Luthan alive. Mm-hmm. So while this is happening, Daedra actually uses some of her newfound authority that Ularan kind of imparted on the ISB to uh, kind of bully a data clerk into handing over the files that she was previously told that you were not allowed to have access to. She was like, I can now do this because I have been given way more resources. And she's circumventing kind of the rules that she was told by the head of the ISB.
1: Which is pretty pretty badass, in my opinion.
0: No, oh, yeah. Very Game of Thronesy. This show's very Game of Thronesy. I know. I know.
1: It's very good with the drama, and I actually really like that change of pace. So we cut back to our friend, Sintas, who is attempting to escape Aldani now. Good news, she's alive! Yeah, yeah, there you go. She looks up at the sky, and we see an Imperial Star Destroyer now arriving in orbit. So this is showing how... The Imperials are just popping up everywhere now, and they are kind of asserting their dominance and their authority
0: because this shit... In the wake of the robbery. Yeah, this shit was bad. It's kind of cool because this is very similar to what we see in uh, Star Wars Rebels when we just see an Imperial Star Destroyer hanging above Lothal. And this actually takes place at about the same time period as we see that Star Destroyer. So that Star Destroyer might have been there as a response to the robbery. Oh, shit. Tying everything together. Exactly. We then cut to Andor who actually uh for some reason returns to Ferrix. He actually goes home and he actually goes into his uh Marva's house, his mom, and she's like, "What are you doing here? You're going to get caught." And he's like, "No, listen. We're done. Like we did it. We can leave this place. I we can get you somewhere warm. You can get you out of the damp. I got the cash, mom. I can do it. Let's go." Yeah, I got the cash. And she doesn't like she's like happy to see him and like Happy that he's successful, but like she has this weird look of like, uh, well, there's this so short notice, there's so much to do. And he's like, Oh, I, I get it. You're tired, it's the middle of the night. What am I thinking? Uh get some rest. Uh, we'll go in the morning. I'm gonna go check in on Bix. You hang out here.
1: While this is going on, we go to Mon Mothma's
0: house party. And there are a lot of diplomats there. Typical diplomat party, you know, cocktails, polite conversation, laughing at the ambassador who's got ketchup on his tie, you know, the usual. Yeah, a
1: bunch of bougie one percenters are there, and they're all walking around. We have diplomats from Chandrilla, including her old school friend, Tay Colma. This is who, I believe, this is who she wanted to bring into the circle of trust. She's walking around with him and they're kind of reminiscing about some old school time. And then she starts talking politics with him and is like, I want to tell you something that nobody else knows. And he's like, Is this personal, political? He's like, What's going on? And she goes, political. At first,
0: he's like, he's dismissing her the whole time. Yeah. He's like, yeah. he's like, I, you know, whatever you're gonna tell me, uh, my politics might not align with yours. Like, I don't yeah. like the Empire, and you seem just so happy to, to deal with it. Yeah, that's the thing
1: is he sees her as part of the organization.
0: That is the problem. Yep. She's a little meddlesome, you know, with her little charity organizations. But for the most part, she's perfectly content being a part of the Empire. So he's a little bit hesitant
1: to talk to her. And then she kind of opens up. We will talk about this later on. So, pretty much what happens is she confides in him that her persona in the Senate is just all bullshit and it's a lie, and that she has been secretly trying to take out the empire from within. And she needs his help to get her family money out of her account so she can help fund a little charity organization that she will not tell him about any further
0: at all. This charity event is fantastic because it brings bombs and bullets. At breakneck speeds, directly to where they're needed most. An Imperial skull. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we cut back to Ferex, and Andor, he goes to check on Bix. You know, he knocks on the door, does a little secret knock that apparently they both share. What's that song, by the way, that goes dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun? Because dun, 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 dun? Cassian
1: does that knock, and I'm like, that knock is... Good.
0: I I don't know the name of it. I know I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know the name of it. Sorry, I'm asking Siri.
1: It's no love featuring little Wayne by Eminem. No, it's fucking not Siri.
0: (laughs) Bix doesn't really like have the warm reception that he thought she would have to seeing him again. And it's, it's then he finds out that the reason he was chased off the planet in the first place was because Tim turned him in. And not only that, but Tim died because of it, because of his involvement. And Bix is taking it really hard. And she really blames Andor for the whole situation which he doesn't accept he's like what do you mean tim's the one who turned me in and now i'm getting blamed for it like that's what happens like he died because he tried to interfere and she's that's not the words that she's looking for right now so she basically tells him to get the hell out yeah before he does though he leaves her all of the money that he owes everyone on the planet because he wants to make sure his debts are paid he doesn't want anyone looking for him basically isn't that a funny sentence He leaves all
1: the money that he owes everybody on the planet.
0: Yeah. What a Star Wars thing to say. Right? Like, he just owes every... Like, he owes an entire planet money, basically. (laughs) (laughs) At least it seemed like in those first couple episodes, like, everybody was showing up being like, God damn it, what do you want, Cassie? And he's like, uh, could I borrow 300 credits?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, after he leaves Bix, he goes to Marva. And they have a really interesting discussion. Marva's refusing to leave, and she says that she's going to stay, and she's going to fight instead, and she's going to fight for rebellion. And we get this back and forth of Clem talking to Cassian and saying, like, hey, it's going to be okay and all this other stuff. And basically what happens is Clem is dead, the real Clem. Clem, who was his adopted father, who helped rescue him the first— Who he named himself after
0: in the the robbery—
1: so, we see the shadow of Clem hanging uh, in the middle of the street.
0: It's a flashback, we should say,
1: yeah. she Marva says that she has been sick and tired for the last like I think it's like fifteen or twelve years. She's been taking the long way home because she doesn't want to walk by where he was hanging. And she's like, "That's it. I'm done." They talk about how much they love each other, and she's like, "Hey, man, like it's fine. You have a different path, and that is okay." But I'm too yep. old, and I've been dealing with this bullshit for too long, so I'm a fight. Honestly, there's a quote in here that we'll say later. I definitely teared. I will say it is a very sad and happy quote yeah. at the same time.
0: I I will say this. Um, you sent me well two things. One, I love the flashback sequence because we got to see uh, clone troopers kind of taken over yeah. uh, the village square which I don't know they, the 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 helmets looked a little weird to me. I don't know if they were the the next gen helmets or if they were the I think they were the right helmets, but they, they just looked they looked strange they to me in the shots that I saw. They were clone
1: helmets. Basically they were wearing all clone armor, but it was all white.
0: We have not seen that in a while.
1: So it just shows how long he's been there.
0: They've been on that planet a good long time and it seemed like they were yeah. They were really in, they were they were really uh uh uh, a part of the society because you can see like Clem trying to calm people down, you know, trying to keep everybody safe, everybody out of danger. He doesn't succeed unfortunately, but you know, you can tell that he wants that uh, he was someone who was valued in the community. The other thing too is that we find out this is why he has uh Andor has an imperial assault charge on his record because he was so angry after they killed his dad. Yeah. That he he charged them with a lead pipe and tried to tried to, you know, take his anger out on them and obviously I mean, I guess it worked, but it didn't work well enough that he would have gone to prison for it. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing too that uh, you sent me an article that I thought was very funny, and I feel like we need to talk about it before we before we go move on. It's
1: on Reddit for <laughs> anybody who was on like our Star Wars or whatever. It's on
0: Reddit. Yeah, you can find it on our Star Wars. It's fantastic. It's basically um, they put out uh, a book talking about Cassie and Andor, like a little snippet in like a Star Wars encyclopedia. They put out these encyclopedias. All the time. I have a bunch of them. I love them. They give you great insight in the Star Wars universe, except when they're wrong, because apparently (laughs) they just threw away Andor's entire backstory that they've established before the show came out. Like, none of it matches at all, and it's so funny. Now, it could be that that's just the story
1: he told everybody, and that's actually accurate for what everybody else believes. That, but, yeah. but I mean, the guy's a spy and all that, like, later on. Like, we know where he's at at the end, you know? But it would be really funny if that's what they actually used as his actual backstory. And it's just like, nah, that ain't fucking it, man. No, it's completely different. Because <laughs> the other thing, too, is he's such a fan favorite from Rogue One that I do think them grabbing him and being like, we're going to make a whole thing about him is still relatively new within the what, the last like four years probably? I would say so, yeah. I, yeah.
0: Don't, I don't think they ever intended for this character to uh, live on past Rogue One. I mean, technically he didn't, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, true. But uh, the storytelling of him has lived on and I'm, I'm internally grateful that that is the case. So uh, to get us back on track a little bit, uh, we cut to the ISB and they are once again having one of their little meetings and uh, Daedra is challenged again by that lieutenant who just hates her guts. He wants her, you know, kicked out. He's just, she's dipping into my territory again. Out in public too. This, yeah, the the previous one was kind of like an inference and now he's just like, I'm just gonna say it right in public. Like, you are fucking with my shit and I do not appreciate it. And she does not, like in previous sessions, she like, you know, was quiet and kind of like backed down a little bit. This one, she's just straight up like, no, the Empire needs to adapt to the rebels tactics we are not doing that we do not have the flexibility your system she says to the uh ISB head is not working and it needs to be fine tuned and he honestly to his credit he was like yeah to have at it this se- this sector is yours tell me what you figure out and then and then he takes her out of the room and he's like you need to be fucking careful
1: yeah it's it was pretty nice how he's like now looking out for her almost. He's looking
0: out for her. Yeah, he is.
1: Well, he's like, we'll get in the quote, the actual quote he says, but he does tell her like, you know, good job.
0: Yeah, well, in the best way that he can, because we get, we've seen that he is a uh, of stickler for authority and the rules. Yeah.
1: So after this, we cut back to Cassie and Andor, who is now settled into a quiet life on Nyamos, also known as Space California, because that's literally what it was. This is the first time I've heard like. It's the first time I've heard, like, modern-esque pop music in Star Wars.
0: Dude, I know. We have to talk about that music. It was so fucking good. It took me out of it for a brief moment. I literally
1: said out loud, I said, the
0: fuck is this? I was like, what is that? Was What's like the- I was like, this is a bop, dude. I
1: love this. It was good, but I was just, like, not expecting it from Star Wars, you know? So, this is like a paradise world. It literally looks like something out of, like, Miami. Uh, whichever Miami you want. I don't care. Orange County, whatever. It's, it's it's a paradise world and he's got a girlfriend and a new identity and he's got a stash of hidden credits above the shower which also that yep. shower looked really weird cuz it was like a table bench and you just shower but the shower you're not really show- <laughs> it was weird it didn't make any sense i i to think
0: me. he might have pulled the table over to get up into that ah okay uh, okay make some more that sense that thing cuz otherwise i yeah i don't know what i don't know what creature would use that shower generally no, it was, it was- it was weird,
1: but it's a nice, you know, setup. It's a sweet place. I don't know, but it also it was really funny because as he like is in that apartment that he has and he's walking around, it kind of looked also like Night City at certain angles. I kind of got that. It vibe. It did. I really got. I'm telling you, the cyberpunk vibes in this show. They're very, very uh, they're subtle. I mean, that's not surprising. Good. I know. That's I love really, it. I love you, it personally. I, I I, like cyberpunk.
0: Oh, shows. I do too. I mean, you, you would expect some some cyberpunkiness from Star Wars eventually. So Andor, you know, he's, he's getting the credits out, and his girlfriend's like giving him all this list of things that he needs to get. And so he decides, all right, I'm going to go walk to the store and buy all that stuff. And as he's walking along the beach, you know, there's just sunbathers sitting out, you know, onlookers, tourists. And then four or five dudes just start running up the beach towards and then past Cassian, being chased by a lone shore trooper. And Cassian, obviously not wanting to get involved, just kind of like looks around and then like darts around a corner really quickly to like avoid trouble, which unfortunately leads him straight into uh, the world's worst shore trooper ever, voiced by the world's best man, Sam Witwer.
1: Sam Whitwear, if you hear this, I love you. You're amazing. You're a okay, great actor. Hey, hey, I, no, I no. love him more. I know. I will fight you on <laughs> this. We're not, listen,
0: we're not doing this. No, we're not doing this right we're now. Okay, We're more. not doing this right no, now. No, all right. Okay. all, right, all right, right. We'll do all this right, later. Right, okay? All right. All right. All right. So, anyways, uh, Sam Whitwear, our favorite voice actor, uh, starts grilling him on where he was. He's like, What are you doing here? And he's like, What do you mean? What are you doing? What's going on, man? Why are you sweating? And he's like, It's, it's hot out today. It's like, oh yeah, you a part of it? And he's like, a, a part of what, dude? I don't even know what's going on. Typical, the typical
1: like, cop bullshit.
0: He's like, he's just giving him the business and Cassian has like, I mean, he's giving him like the right answers, but he's not giving them in the right way. That's just, it's just pissing the guy off. So eventually the guy's just like, hey, you stay right here. And, the, and Cassian's like, I mean, okay, I didn't do anything wrong, but that's fine. And then he he grabs a K2SO unit. Hey, oh, our boy. And he tells the K2SO you, oh, the K2SO unit to hang on to him. And the unit goes, hang? Hang. <laughs> and he fucking choke slams him into a wall. This this whole sequence happens so fast, by the way. I was like, what the fuck is going on? It's ridiculous. But I loved every minute of it. Because it's it's very clearly like, like that's how quick it can happen in the new empire. Yeah.
1: You could literally be doing nothing.
0: Yeah. Like, like, yes, they actually, you know, they caught, they caught the guy who committed the crime or a crime, but not the crime that they were trying to catch.
1: Yeah, it was a bit uh, too reminiscent of our everyday life. Uh, anyway, we now look at Cassian who is in a line to be sentenced for his crimes that he did not commit.
0: And he's sentenced to six years in prison. Yep. He gets like 20 charges levied against him too. It was hilarious.
1: And what's funny is the sentence is harsh due to his own robbery.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They literally were like, remember those, remember those things we talked about earlier? The the heavier sentences being passed out. He is the victim of them, but he didn't do anything. And what's also really funny is
1: the woman just looks at him and she's like, Hey man, like take it up with the emperor. (laughs) Like it's, yeah. It's very,
0: just like whatever. it's, It's, Cassian, you know, I know exactly how Cassian feels, though, because I am a fan of playing the game Among Us. This is basically, they caught the imposter, but for the wrong reasons.
1: I was going to say, you, you, you can relate. You've been to six years in prison for a
0: robbery? <laughs> Listen, I did a lot of things before the podcast started. Uh, well, uh, well, well. Hmm.
1: All right. So before we get into our overall thoughts, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get some water ourselves, and we'll be right back. All right. So now we're going to get into it. Overall thoughts. Uh, Yes. Well, I'm just going to jump out there and say I thought it was amazing. It was great. It's feeling good. Uh, I really don't have notes, man. I I keep like watching it thinking to myself, it can't be that good.
0: This show hits it out of the park every episode. Like... It's I, I saw a meme someone posted on uh, the Star Wars subreddit where it was like the virgin Obi-Wan Kenobi show versus the Chad Andor show.
1: <laughs> and yeah. I
0: kind of agree a little bit. Like not to all the points they had on that meme, but I was like, man, the writing on this show is just so fucking good.
1: Yeah, it's great. Like
0: this is this is a bridge episode. Remember that. Like no, this is just an episode setting up the next arc. Yeah. Plus also, did you see that
1: tweet that I, I sent you where it was like, you know, I love how the discourse is like, this show fucks. This show is so amazing. Like all like that's the discourse. Everybody loves it. Yeah. There is, there's, no, you know. there's
0: not there's no notes anyone is given this show. And like the well, the ones that I have seen, I'm like, shut up. They're <laughs> like, I don't like Bix. It's like, well, I don't like you. Be quiet now. <laughs> Pretty much.
1: I overall for the episode itself, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was shot really well. Um the quotes are what I wanna get into because those are my favorite parts of the episode.
0: I, listen, I think that we are on a, a track to have the best Star Wars show, and that's going to be hard because Mando exists, but I'm, I I think I'm being gripped a lot more with this show because of the intrigue and in the characters. Gotcha. But we'll, time will tell.
1: So, the first couple quotes. The first one we have is Karn and his mom. Karn says something when she's talking about his, you know, uh, his... <laughs> fucking collar he had it tailored and she's like complaining about it i don't i
0: which which dude anyone else is like hey i got this tailored they'd be like oh that's nice like good for you like i don't i don't have i think i have an old suit that was tailored when i was 40 pounds heavier. uh lighter but you know <laughs> so the if quote, i were to fit in it people would be like oh nice suit bud but his mom's like fuck you and that fucking suit you're wearing it's man. a brown suit he keeps saying it's really funny but
1: the quote that she says to him because he's asked he's like what what's wrong what does it say what does my caller say? And she goes, yep. everything says something. Look at me. I don't believe in myself. I'm desperate for approval. That's what she says it looks for. She's like, every single thing means something. Especially when, like, you know, you're going for a job, whatever. Your shoes. I, my my mom, I will say, my mom used to tell me, your shoes are important. What a lot of people do is when they look down to shake your hand, they see your shoes. And that's a thing. And I'm like, What? But apparently that's a real thing, I don't know. But I guess uh, yeah, his mom make it does make sense. The quote makes sense. Now the next one is the ISB.
0: Yes. I love this one. This one, this one's good. Yeah. This is why we plan. This is why we work so hard when we are at peace. This is why we recruit so carefully and demand so much. This is this is the war machine spinning up. This is them getting ready for battle. You know, the, the ISB has been at relative, I guess, uh, peace isn't the right word, but like uh, there hasn't been a war situation since the Clone Wars.
1: You're right. I mean, they've been technically at peace. It's not great in terms of, you know, it's peace based on fear, but it is technically what's that? What's that
0: TikTok meme? A win is a win. A win is a win. God. Peace is peace. Now,
1: the next quote is actually what you were saying earlier that you really liked uh, about Deidre. She said, we're treating what happened on Aldani as a robbery. Her assistant says, what would you call it? And she says, an announcement. I think that theme follows this episode because it kind of feels like an announcement that then ricochets and gets everybody riled up for rebellion. Yes. It's not just about the money. This is
0: now a message. Exactly. This is this is the start of like this is this is uh hey watch the rebellion is airing on CBS every Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday.
1: <laughs> well, I will say even though I said it's not all about the money, Luthen then does say to Mon Mothma, "Revolutions are expensive." Yep, because they definitely are. Absolutely. And when they're going at it, he looks at her and he says. I warned you when we started. And she goes, you told me we were building a network. He says, what were my words? She goes, this is something else entirely. He then says, turning back will be impossible. You knew where this was
0: going. You've always known. Yep. And I think that that speaks to to Mon Mothma. She's, She's always believed in democracy and in the system that she's you know in and i think that she always believed that this was an alternative this was like a backup plan that she would never have to use whereas luther knows that democracy failed when the emperor declared his regency yeah this is this is just you know years in the making and this is the first step into organizing resistance
1: as well as the fact that she's never been part of a resistance. She's always been the politician that's been part of an organized system. Whereas this is very much disorganized at the moment. And I think she's kind of, she's new to it. So I think she's kind of like, uh, uh, like I don't want to say floundering, but she's definitely getting something that I don't think she was really expecting.
0: No, I would agree with that.
1: Now, the next quote is from Luthan. In the same conversation, he says... Has anyone ever made a weapon that wasn't used? The network's been built. It's up. It grows or it dies. We've waited long enough. That quote, I think, is really interesting because they've left the shadows. That is a big theme for me in this one as well that I noticed is everybody is leaving the shadows, if you will, of like what they've wanted to do. And now they are doing it. And yes the network's ready it's going it's either gonna you know it grows or it dies like it's it's either gonna work or it's not it's, And and I think him saying the whole has anyone ever made a weapon that wasn't used that's also kind of wild because if you think about it the Death Star right foreshadowing has anyone yep. ever made a weapon that wasn't used you think they're just gonna make a Death Star and not use it come on I know they don't know about the Death Star at the moment probably hopefully maybe I don't know but
0: no, they it's don't. just
1: it's a really nice foreshadowing.
0: Yep. And she says uh in response he goes, "Do you realize what you've set in motion?" Which it's like, yeah, yes, we uh, Luthen clearly has been thinking about this for years and he's ready. So Luthen then says, "It's time for that as well." She responds, "Palpatine won't hesitate now." You know, he's going to commit all these atrocities. And Luthen goes, Exactly. We need it. We need the fear. We need them to overreact. She's like,
1: you can't be serious. The Empire has been choking us so slowly, we're starting not to notice. The time has come to force their hand. People will suffer. That's the plan. I love that quote, that that sequence. It really, remember in the other couple episodes we were talking with uh, Nemec about, you know, Are we going to stoop so low to be the same as like the Empire use their tactics against them kind of thing? Clearly, Luthen does not give a shit. He's like, yeah, we're gonna people are gonna die, people are gonna suffer. That's whole the whole part of it. We want people to be hurt
0: so then they realize. And you got to remember, this is like completely against what Mon Mothma has been spending the years under Imperial service uh, fighting against. You know, she. Is spends countless hours conducting speeches and holding fundraisers and yeah. charities, trying to make sure that people can live as comfortably as possible under the Empire. And Luthen's just pulled the rug out from under her. He's like, no, we're done. It is time to fight. You become complacent. Yeah, if anything, you know, she's part of the reason that the Empire is still around because she's been helping to placate those who would fight. But then again, if she did...
1: I would say outwardly say something. I mean, she could just disappear and then they'll just put, yeah. No, they would
0: just, they would just disappear her exactly. for sure.
1: Now Luthen responds to her annoyance at all this stuff by saying, you're not angry at me. I'm just saying out loud what you already know. There will be no rules going forward. If you're not willing to risk your conscience, then surrender, be done with it. We need every credit we can get our hands on. We can't hide forever. Yep, That is like very much, I think just he's right. He's right. There's not going to be any rules. They, no. the, the, the Empire has rules within the Empire, but when it comes to getting rid of rebels and stuff, they don't give a fuck. They're just going to kill people. They don't care. Rules are the illusion within the Empire. There's no rules for quelching rebellion. Now, I know this next sequence is something that you, of course, loved so much. Yes. The quote um, has, I would say there's one quote in this sequence that has been blowing up. Everybody's talking about it. But there's a lot right before it that's really important as well. And it's Mon Mothma talking to her friend, trying to convince him that she's not a
0: piece of shit. (laughs) She's not an Imperial. That she's not, yeah, she's not a simp for the Imperial authority. I love it because Mon Mothma says, you know, do you see what people say about me? It's a clear picture, isn't it? I'm a polite, sometimes indecisive senator who spends her days fighting and failing to protect separatist do-gooders and battle imperial overreach. An irritation, as you so hardly put it. And he says, he's like, oh, I have made you angry. He's like, no, you've set me free. It's a lie. The Monmouthma people think they know. It's a lie. It's a projection. It's a front.
1: Now, for her to say this out in the open like that, there are other people around. Yeah. So for her to take confidence to say this to this gentleman as well as around other people,
0: this dude must be a must be a good friend because this is not something you tell. She outed herself. She's like, oh, I am yeah. the imposter.
1: Yeah, yeah. This guy better deliver.
0: Oh my god, he better, dude. I I'm I'm very curious. Just, I'm hoping we don't get a little finger situation yeah, on our hands. Yeah.
1: At the end, the, the quote that that has been blowing up is Mon Mothma says, I've learned from Palpatine. I show you the stone in my hand, you miss the knife at your throat. She is explaining that she's been paying attention to her enemy, and she is taking notes. Yep. And she is doing the same thing, but in her own way, because she is not the Luthan style of she's going to stoop to that level. No. But she is definitely aware of how they work and function, and she is adapting their methods to her own ideology to try to take them down. Which yes. I think, obviously, that seems to be going a little bit better later on, but for now, in this time frame, it's still a little... She's She's kind of being left in the dust right now.
0: Which I'm sure that will change eventually, as we see. The next quote... Uh, we're going to talk about this one. It's a conversation between Marva and Andor. And Andor says, uh, you know, he's trying to convince her to leave. So he says, we'll find a place they haven't ruined yet. And I love Marva's response. She says, I'm already there. That place is in my head. They can build as many barracks as they like. They'll never find me. And Andor goes, well, what's left? what's left to keep you here? And she says, the rebellion. And I'm like, oh shit, Marva's Picking up her gun.
1: That's so awesome, though, because it's like in her mind, she's like, yeah, you can do all the physical things you want, trap me, whatever, propaganda all over the place, intimidate me, but you'll never invade my mind. I will always be who I am and I will always fight you in my head, you know, no matter what, she is going to be a rebel. And I love that. That was,
0: oh, this woman is great. And we don't have it listed on here, but like she, the whole reason that she's thinking this way is because of the robbery that they committed. Yep. She's like, I need to do my part, and, and and Andor can't tell her that it was him because she'll be so pissed at him. And he keeps saying, it's just a robbery, and she's like, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Uh, again, people keep saying it's just a robbery, and clearly it wasn't.
0: Yeah, uh, her and her and Deidre would be good friends because they both have the same idea.
1: Yep. Now, this is actually the quote. Uh, now, this next quote is actually the quote that got me really sad because it's, it's a goodbye as well as it's it's I think it's just it's just a, so sad. It's like a mom and a kid and it's it it, it makes everything not matter. Do you know what I mean? It just makes the two of them yeah. in that moment matter. He says, "You can't beat them, Marva." And she goes, "Not if I run away." She talks for a little bit and says, "You know, you should leave and, you know, you'll find peace. Like go find your peace." And his response is I won't have peace. I'll be worried about you all the time. And she responds and says, that's just love. There's nothing you can do about that. And that's like depressing as fuck, man. Yeah. Like he's saying goodbye to his mom. That's, that is what is happening. They are saying goodbye to each other. And she says, you know, I've never loved anything like you i've never cared about anything like you before i've never you know fretted about this kid for you know like he's just so important to her he is the most important thing to her it's it is so sad
0: Uh, to end the the quote segment uh we have to talk about the imperial the head of the isb when he pulls daidra out of the room and he you know says a word come with me and he just says watch your back like she's so proud of herself in that moment where she just took authority away from that dude and like stood up to him. But he's like, hey, listen, you are engaging in a higher level of politics that you might not be ready for if you're not prepared to do what needs to be done.
1: And he's looking out for her, too, which is pretty interesting. He acknowledges that
0: he doesn't have to say yeah. that he doesn't have yep. to tell her to watch her back. And I think, I think he likes her. That's why he's trying to keep her alive, basically. Yeah. So, questions. Yes, questions.
1: What, what do you think? What are you, what are you feeling?
0: I, I'm wondering when... We have a lot of scattered characters now. I'm wondering when they will all reconnect. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if we will see more of the network that Luthan has been alluding to. I'm wondering if, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see some characters that we weren't expecting to see in the next couple episodes. I'm not sure who that would be, but maybe, maybe good old Jimmy Smiths will show mm-hmm. up again. Maybe we'll get some, uh, uh, I don't know. So some, some characters from Obi-Wan might wander onto screen a mm-hmm. little bit. Who knows?
1: I would really like to see what's going on with Karn or what's his name? Sybil? Uh,
0: Oh, she yeah, says yeah, his yeah. first
1: name, and it's, like, Sybil or whatever. Um, I'm really curious, is he going to now find uh, Cassian? Because they show him toward the end, really brief shot of him working when Cassian is sentenced. So I'd really like to see what happens. I want to know, like, is he going to find him and then interrogate him? And then he's going to have to say, like, I am not Cassian Andor. And then, like, that's how he gets out of jail and he escapes. Like, I want to know how he gets out. I want to know what's Karn gonna... I'm invested in Karn. Yes, I'm sorry, guys. I'm invested in Karn. I want to know what happens to this guy. I (laughs) kind of low-key want him... He's grown on I kind of low-key want him to be redeemed and, like, realize that the rules he follows are bullshit and then he's going to read the manifesto and be like, oh, my God. Wow, I didn't... Like, that would be cool, but I don't think that's going to happen. I also, if that doesn't happen, I would love to see him get into the... Imperial, like, you know, officers kind of situation, like the ISB maybe. He'll get a job at the ISB. He'll be her, Deidre's, like, new assistant or he'll be the assistant of somebody. I don't know. There's a lot of speculation there, I know, but there's a lot of really cool things I think his story could go through that can connect with other characters. I really like how they're connecting the characters. Obviously, the characters have not met yet, but I really like to see how they're going to do that. Um, Yeah, that's my rant. I really think, I, I don't know, I, I really want to know What's going to happen? It's got me wanting to know. So for final thoughts, I would say I think this episode had that theme of leaving the shadows or at least the shadows of your thoughts. And, you know, we have people beginning to rebel. They're starting to move in on what they need to do, right? Everybody is starting to to take action. The pieces are moving yeah, into Yeah, people are taking action. Whereas the one person who's not is Cassian, and he's running and hiding at the end, and he gets caught.
0: Yep. it's it that I love that shot, because it's basically like, no matter what you do, you're going to get involved somehow. Even if he just tries to stay on the sidelines, he still got involved.
1: No matter what you do, the Empire is always going to have a hand
0: on your neck. And with that, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did... Please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to get connected with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.